as long as I've got an outlet, I'm good for everybody else. When I'm not able to get that time to myself, not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can tell, people who know me can tell. Um, but it's so important to make that time for yourself. Absolutely. It makes a world of a difference. Because um, if mom is not taken care of, you know, how can I take care of other people if I'm not taking care of myself? I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm so happy to chat with Veronica Jackson, singer, actress, and autism advocate. In doing Work Like a Mother, I've had the pleasure to talk with several moms of medically complex children. Each has been truly inspirational. Our conversations have opened my eyes to the ups and downs they face each day. And not just for their kids, but for themselves as moms too. Everyone's attention focuses on the needs of the child. But what about that child's mom? What about how much her life has changed? How she's experiencing a totally different version of motherhood than she had dreamed of? It's time we reimagine a better way forward where moms of medically complex children have a village supporting them and their family. It starts by each of us becoming more aware and more inclusive. And Veronica's story is the perfect place to start. Veronica had just released her third album when she got pregnant with her son. Her career was taking off and people saw her as one of the divas of the 1990s club music scene. So she had every intention of recording more albums, but it didn't quite work out that way. CJ was diagnosed with autism at a very young age. So Veronica took on new roles as a full-time caregiver to CJ and a tireless advocate for autism awareness. But she also mourned the career and dreams that she had envisioned for herself. In today's episode, Veronica opens up and shares how she's managed to pursue her own creative passions while being CJ's primary caregiver since her husband, Chris, has a demanding Broadway career starring in Hamilton. Thank you so much for joining me, Veronica. I'm really excited to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. My first question for you is, did you always know you wanted to perform? Is that something you knew from a really young age? Um, yes, I did. I knew that <laughs> I knew that I was really comfortable on the stage. I knew that even more than that, I knew that I was really comfortable singing. Mm-hmm. It was my go-to, my feel good. It took a minute to get comfortable being on stage, but once that happened, it was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I was really fortunate to have a mom who was like, let's go, let's do it. You're talented. I wish I could sing, but I'm going to help you. <laughs> How wonderful to have that support. Yeah. Yeah. She was in your corner cheering you on from the early days. Yes. Yes. How did your career evolve? Where did you start? Did you start performing acting? Did you start singing? Um, I started off uh, being a singer. I always took dance classes and I always wanted dance to be my forte because I enjoyed it so much. But the truth was I'm a better singer than anything else. (laughs) 
I love to act. Of course, everything got better as I got older. Um, but uh, singing is my strongest suit, I would say. And yeah. where were you in your career when you had your son? Um, wow. Well, let me go back to your first question and yeah. say that I started singing professionally um, and doing background vocals for different artists when I was about 13. So wow. that was something that I was, you know, honing for a really, really long time. Um, first record deal when I was 18 years old, got two years of college in, um, left after my sophomore year, um, and recorded an album with Mercury records. Um, what was I, that experience like as an 18 year old? It was insane. I just kind of felt like I almost didn't deserve the opportunity because I felt like I didn't get to work hard enough. I knew that I enjoyed everything mm. that I did, um, but got really lucky. And a fellow that I went to college with uh, landed a job at Mercury Records. He's like, we got to bring you in. Yeah, I know you're singing in college and you're doing all the talent shows and, you know, you sang opera in high school. Uh, but I really want to bring you in. I want, I want them to hear you sing. And that's pretty much what happened. And I got a deal and I started writing and it just happened really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, whoa, whoa. I just felt like <laughs> there should have been more of a process, but it was kind of, uh, get in the door and, um, and start recording. And it was so much fun. It was great. So by the time I had CJ, or um, got pregnant with CJ, I was actually working on, I had three albums released mm -hmm. and I was excited about doing it again. I was putting together showcases and CJ was a big surprise. <laughs> and I said, you know what? This is great. I'm going to be 30 years old. It's time. We're going to have the baby. He can come with us on the road, if anything. <laughs> that was not the way. You had it all planned out. I sure did. I had it all planned out, figured out. I was like, this is great. It'll be fine. Chris, you go do in the Heights. It'll, it'll be great. I have the baby. I'm going to hit the road. Didn't happen. <laughs> so what did happen? Well, CJ was diagnosed with autism very young. I knew uh, probably from when he was about six months old that there was something a little bit different. Um, he was just, <laughs> he's so delicious. He's so yummy. I think about it. That's the first thing I think of. Um, but there was, there were some things that kind of took a little bit longer sitting up, um, maybe some low muscle tone in the mouth. Mm. Uh, and then I felt like he kind of sped up a little and was feeling like he was on track probably by the time he was eight months old. Um, he had a couple of words that he would try to say. Uh, and then he got sick with pneumonia. And after that, he lost all of his language, his facial expression changed and he was hospitalized for about well, before that he was hospitalized for about five days with uh, severe pneumonia. Wow. And uh, after that, nothing was the same. He was not, he was a shadow of the baby that I had. 
And the doctors there even asked, you know, while he was getting better and while we were about to leave, you know, is, is this kind of, you know, how he is very relaxed, chill baby. I'm like, uh, kind of sometimes mm-hmm. he can tend to mm-hmm. be to himself and get really into one toy and kind of roll the wheels upside down, which apparently is a, a, a big marker. A lot of kids tend to play with toys inappropriately. And he asked about some habits. I said, he likes to line things up. Another thing I didn't really know about. And he said, I'd like to set him up with an evaluation um, just to make sure that he's hitting his milestones and that Mm -hmm. everything is okay. But because that came so early, he was probably about 10 months at the time. um, All of the benchmarks for kids or babies his age are, there's not that much that they're expecting from them. So if they're happy and they're loving, um, and they seem to be engaged with mom, mm-hmm. then there's nothing alarming. But the issue wasn't so much about that kind of connection with mom. It was mm-hmm. the rest of the world. Mm. Uh, CJ wanted nothing to do with anyone, but people that he knew and that he loved and felt comfortable with. We'd have him in the stroller. You know how somebody goes up to a baby and is like, right. oh, hey, you take... He'd do this whole, like, please don't look at me thing. Right. Like, I'm not here. I'm in this. Yeah, he would do like, or as he got a little bit older, he'd have a blanket or something, and he'd just kind of put it over his head. And we we would joke about it and say, would you stop doing that? But he would give me this look, or he would just not answer to his name. That was another big one, Mm -hmm. Um, getting his attention. But he would do that for us. With the evaluator, not so much. But like I said, um, after the evaluation was done, though, um, it came back stellar. He's a beautiful boy and, you know, really responds to his mother. Go back to the doctor. He sees it. He's like, you need to get evaluated again. We got to go to a different place. And he's a little bit older now. So we went from one agency who said that he was developing beautifully to severe autism within three months. Why the variation? I mean, as I'm sure as parents are are listening to this and and hearing that, that's scary, right? To hear that there can be such a huge Mm -hmm. mismatch in those diagnoses. Yes. Huge. I mean, thank goodness for the doctor saying, get reevaluated. Do you Mm -hmm. know? And I kept telling my husband the same thing. I said, there is something wrong. The older he gets, the more I'm seeing that he does not want to engage with other children he has a cousin, maybe six weeks older than he is, um, wanted nothing to do with him, would scoot himself into a corner and start doing the lining of cars up and just his own thing, or maybe stimming or doing something with his eye and laughing. Um, but there was definitely something um, different about CJ. Wow. And the second evaluation, because he was older and there was so much more expected of him, mm-hmm. that's when they were really able to catch it. And they did a um, an evaluation. They did a speech evaluation, OT, PT, all of it. And all of it came back that he was in need of some major services. So it sounds like you have learned just so much along the way. And I really appreciate you sharing some of those little details because as parents, I think it's so tricky to know, is this something to worry about? Is this something that I should just let go and walking that line? So hearing those, those examples that you shared and also hearing you really know 
and just feel that something was off and how you fought for him to continue to be evaluated until mm-hmm. they discovered how to help him right. um, is really incredible. Thank you. So you had this whole plan. <laughs> Things really changed. Yes, wait a bit. What happened next? That's the tricky thing. Um, probably when he was having therapists, I mean, four people come to the house a day. The poor kid's schedule was busier than, you know, most adults. Mm-hmm. He had two hours of school in the morning. He had two or three hours of ABA in the afternoon. He would have speech. He would have OT. He would have PT. He had so much therapy. And I remember just thinking to myself, I said, there is no way that I'm going to be able to get back to doing what I want to do because somebody has got to be here for CJ. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. And I kind of just put it out of my head. Um, that it wasn't going to happen. And that when he was older, when he was better, um, then maybe I could explore that. But I felt like the more, (laughs) the more time passed, um, the more difficult it felt for me to be able to connect to a world that I felt so disconnected from. Mm. Um, and I got to see it from, you know, being the wife of, an amazing performer and actor and, and watching all of what was happening within the Heights um, happen from home. Mm. When I used to be the star of that show with my husband. Mm-hmm. And that is something that was really, really tough. Um, but my heart was so full that I got to see my husband continue with it, that I got to see the success that it brought to Lynn and to all of my friends. I mean, all of my friends were in the show, <laughs> Yeah, all of them. Um, so there was this pride and this, um, also this sense of sadness that I couldn't do it with them, mm-hmm. but I still got to be a part of it with them because CJ was a part of everybody's life. They were all, he had so many aunts and uncles in that show. He mm-hmm. still has them. Um, but it was, it was difficult. It was difficult, but I, I'm so glad that it had the success that it had, but there is a part of me that's like, wow, I wish I could have been a part of that. Not just watching from the sidelines or from home. So many moms that I talk to talk about how, you know, obviously motherhood changes you, but that it's really hard to prepare for that shift that you undergo as a person where it's almost like a sense of loss for the, for the life you had before for certain things that you just can't do. And mourning and you don't really know why, but you're your past self. And it's something (laughs) I never I never knew that. Like, I feel like I didn't hear people talk about that really before I had kids. And it was something that, I mean, it just really hit me um, in in the sense of your life is completely um, changed forever. And there really is that sense of loss and mourning. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to feel that way because it's such a, a transformative change. And I think slowly, but surely you 
you, you find your way, you find a new path. You have all these things. Um, look for help too. I mean, I, I was feeling this sense of, of mourning and loss for, you know, who I was before for the career I wanted to get back to. Um, but also I was going through that same feeling for the son I thought I was going to have. Yeah. That was really tough. That was really tough. Um, it took a little bit to realize that his life was wonderful to him. (laughs) CJ is until this day, CJ is always living his best life. Mm -hmm. Um, he kind of make brings people into his world. He lives in a, a complete comfort zone. Um, and that is really special. And I wish that I had the courage and, and the, um, um, the confidence to just say, you have to meet me where I'm at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's such an incredible kid, but that feeling of losing the, the ideas you have while you're pregnant that we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Not to imagine that your son is not going to talk at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and think, and, and when he was initially diagnosed, they didn't think that he would. Um, but at about four and a half, all the words came. I just didn't know what to do with his mouth. He was a proxic. So we had an incredible therapist who literally would manipulate his mouth mm-hmm. to get him to form it in a way where this, the, the sounds would come out the way that they were supposed to. Amazing. Never even heard of it before. Right. Um, and she got him to a place where he constantly wanted to talk. Now that he realized that he could make these words and that his brain was connecting more to his mouth, then he was constantly saying things, but it was his own language that only I understood. <laughs> And it got better and better and better. And now CJ does not ever shut up. It's incredible. <laughs> well, in many ways, as you're describing this, this cheerleading and this support relationship that you've provided to him, it's reminding me of what you were saying about your mom and how she was this oh, yeah. champion of yours. <laughs> and she was your cheerleader and she was cheering you on. And now, you know, you're doing the same doing the same for him. Absolutely. And I couldn't have done it without her too. Mom was such a huge help with CJ. My sister, who's eight years younger than I am, was such a big help. I mean, I I can't imagine what what it would have been like without them. And you have gone on through this experience to really do some incredible advocacy work. Um, I mean, I so admire what I've, uh, what little I've sort of even started to delve into about your story and the work that you're doing. Can you share a little bit about the work that you do? Uh, sure. Uh, Chris and I are board members of an organization called Culture City. And, you know, when, when we were approached by them, uh, Julian Maha and his wife, Michelle, uh, <laughs> it was, it was incredible. He kind of bombarded us on Twitter. But when he started to explain some of the things that his organization was looking to do, um, it resonated immediately because Mm -hmm. there were places that uh, we couldn't go with CJ, you know, where we had to leave him behind because sound was too much for him. 
Um, sound was too much for him, yet he wouldn't wear headphones or he needed something to keep him down. So even going to the theater, we'd hang out in CJ's, and uh, big CJ, in Chris's um, <laughs> dressing room, but I could, we couldn't have him around a lot of people. Mm. Um, so what Culture City does is they partner with these organizations and with arenas and um, places like that to build in and to train the people who work there to be sensory friendly. They put in sensory rooms in the Barclays Center. <laughs> so when you come in, I mean, just everywhere, there's so many different places, zoos, aquariums, um, where you can walk in and say, I've got a special needs child. It can, doesn't have to be a special needs child. It can be somebody with PTSD. Mm-hmm. It can be someone who's uh, a, a war vet. Um, sounds are too much, lights are too much. Um, and they will check you in. You'll get a bag with some headphones, uh, maybe a fidget toy, maybe mm-hmm. a weighted lap pad, depending on what the event is like. Um, and there's a sensory room where they can go and just relax someplace dim, quiet, um, with stimulating things to look at or play with. Mm-hmm. And um, we knew that that was something that we wanted to be a part of right away. Wow. It's really remarkable. And as you share that, it reminds me of the places that I've gone to and how it's starting to take hold more and more and more and become much more accessible um, through really the work that you're doing and and organizations like the one that you're a part of. Uh, One of the articles I read um, featured this really moving quote. um, And Chris said, a person on the spectrum doesn't need to be cured. A person needs to be accepted. And that really struck me. Um, Can you speak to that a little bit? You know, I am more of an advocacy of therapies. I don't want my son to be a different person. I think he's freaking amazing. Um, What he needs is help getting around in this world and getting through it and being understood. And there they go. I'm sorry. (laughs) Dogs. Um, but what they need is acceptance and understanding and compassion um, more so than anything. And therapies are really, really important to these kids. Um, CJ is still, and he's 16 now. Oh my God, I can't believe he's 16. Um, he's still getting speech. He's still getting um, PT mm-hmm. and OT. Um, it's super, super important. And the more we spread the word and I take my son into the community, no matter how many people look at me or look at him like he's weird. And we get those looks all the time. But at the end of the day, my son is such a love. He brings everybody in and then they feel bad because he's like, Hey, miss, you look so pretty today. He's just has no boundaries. Uh, we have to get him to kind of come back. Oh, your baby is so cute. He's in their face. Right. With COVID, I can tell you how difficult it is <laughs> to keep him away from people because he wants to make connections. He just doesn't know how. Mm-hmm. So I think with just a little bit of compassion and understanding that this kid is not trying to be creepy. He just wants a friend. My son has no friends, but he loves, he'll come back from Target and say, I met this woman and she had nice hair and I saw this and I told the guy who worked there what a great job he did. I mean, mind blowing. 
but he doesn't have the skills, which is what we're working on now, working on life skills, uh, the skills to be able to communicate in a way where he's understood and, um, and not coming off as, you know, someone who is trying to be, um, invasive mm-hmm. or, you know, my son also has a thing with babies. He loves babies. But when you hear someone who looks like a grown-up, he's got a mustache and everything. He's, you know, almost six feet tall. Right. Saying, I love little babies. You know, can I say hi? Can I get closer? Sometimes that's creepy. So we have to teach him. You know, there are times where you have to step back. You can say, I gave him one time uh, three things to say. I said, we can have a conversation. You can ask three questions. And after that, we're going to say, have a nice day. And we're going to keep moving. And that's kind of stayed with him where he'll say, how old is she? She's so cute. When's her birthday or whatever it is. And he's like, okay, have a nice day. And then he kind of gives me the look. He's like, did I do good? Right. Great. But, um, and, and, you know, at first people can look at him like, oh gosh, what is, who's this, you know, grown man. And why is he being so weird? Uh, until they realize, and then I say, good job. And then they look at me and give me the good job, mm-hmm. which is very nice. Um, yeah. How have you throughout his whole journey kept your artistic, you know, interests, your singing, how have you kept that alive for yourself? I have to tell you, it's been difficult, but because I have such amazing friends <laughs> in this industry um, and because my husband does what he does, I mean, I do pretty much everything with Chris, whether it be coming in to sing backgrounds, whether I'm demoing something for him for Sesame Street or for Noggin. Um, Chris and I just recorded something for Lynn's new cartoon uh, with Sony and it's just, it's, it's really nice to not be forgotten by your friends and not just be, yeah, she's busy with the kids. She's mom. Right. I'm still Veronica. I'm still performing. Uh, well, before COVID, <laughs> I'm still performing at clubs and weddings and what have you. And songs are still being played on the radio. And I kind of hear something and say, my gosh, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen that girl, um, but she's there and I started doing Zumba and I've connected with dance again. And it's, it's been fun. I feel like what I'm going through right now is kind of like a creative awakening and I've started writing again. Um, it's been interesting, really interesting. Hold uh, on one second. Sure. Me. No problem. I'm so sorry. I feel like throughout yeah. our whole conversation, it's like this <laughs> juggle come to life. I have the, I think the cleaners. That's knocked, what this is about, right? <laughs> I know the cleaners, I think knocked out the monitors. So the monitor just was like, I can't find, you know, the source. So then it's beeping. Oh my gosh. Dogs are barking. It's like, you know, it is, it's life. Yes. It's, it's life. life. But I feel like, um, you know, and then once I got to a certain point with CJ, uh, my priority, I guess, for a second, kind of became, I need to give him a sibling. We need to give him a sibling. Mm. So uh, I had Jadlin when CJ was about four and a half, which completely coincides with the time that he started to speak because now he had this little person in the house 
and he wanted to talk to her and he was mm-hmm. mostly scripting at first, which is when they uh, watch a video or anything for a specific amount of time or, or any amount of time. Um, but they copy the tone, exactly what they say all the time, but having someone to crawl around and touch his things, he just started to stop. And I was like, oh, I would take his, th- I would literally take his things and put it in front of her to get him to say, that's mine. Right. Right. Um, it was amazing to watch. Uh, and after that, uh, he had his own little best friend and they're still really, really close. I feel like, you know, she's the only person outside of mom and dad who really gets him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they have a very special, special bond. They do. They do. And I can't imagine how your juggle looks like on a daily basis, especially with Chris performing, working evenings and weekends. Um, All day long, that man is busy. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you make the juggle happen? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not so sure what a great job I do. I know that we do have help, but just um, day by day, making lists, making sure that, you know, meds are taken care of, making sure that um, we're communicating with, you know, therapists, making sure that I'm um, thinking of new things to engage my son in because Mm -hmm. he is growing up and there are things that he needs to learn to do. I've got lists everywhere books of ideas and things that we, we maybe want to try for him. Um, things that maybe we can do together as a family. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult, but I feel like I'm really good at this job. <laughs> I would have never known it, but I'm, I'm cut out really well for this. Not to toot a horn because there are a lot of things that I miss completely. Um, but I enjoy it. I enjoy being a mom. I enjoy being a wife. I enjoy being a performer and being able to turn that on and off whenever I want to, even if it's karaoke and or Zumba. Um, as long as I've got an outlet, I'm good for everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting, uh, something really interesting that you're touching on is that moment and that outlet and that, that, you know, self-care is such a buzzword, but what you're yeah. describing really is taking that minute for yourself. And it sounds like that's how you. It is huge. Fresh. If I go to the gym in the morning and I get that workout in, I am a great person for the rest of the day when I'm not able to get that time to myself. Not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can tell people who know me can tell, um, but it's so important to make that time for yourself. Absolutely. It makes a world of a difference. Um, Because if mom is not taken care of, you know, how can I take care of other people if I'm not taking care of myself? And I went through a few of those uh, stages in COVID Mm. um, where it was really difficult when things were really bad. And once we figured out, oh, we can do this online or they're offering these classes online, then it was like, oh, this is great. You learn a lot about yourself in these situations, right? That's very (laughs) true. If you think back to before you had children, what advice would you give to your pre-mom self? I would tell myself to relax, that I can't control everything. And 
sometimes things are going to happen that are going to make you so much better and turn you into a person you never thought you'd be, but that you'd be so grateful for everything that's happened and for every little um, challenge that's come your way. I never would have thought that I would be this person who I felt like had these schedules together. I was just an artist. Chris and I were just kind of living our lives and doing what we wanted to do and working on the projects that we wanted to work on. And everything was just kind of like, whoa, now there's this focus. I also never thought I could ever love someone the way I love my children. My gosh, you never, ever could imagine that, ever, that I could just stop everything and say, this is the most important thing in my life. Oh my gosh, that feeling. I'll never, ever forget it. It'll never go away. The moment I saw his face and was like, I don't care what I do with the rest of my life, as long as I am next to this little person. Mm -hmm. Never, ever, ever. Because I believe I was selfish. And I don't feel like, well, I've I've learned to be selfish in a healthy way and to think about myself and take care of myself. Mm -hmm. But I could have, I could have never imagined being able to care for a child with such special needs in the way that I did. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for spending some time with me and sharing your story and your journey. I feel like I've learned so much from you and um, you're such an inspiration in all the work that you're doing around advocacy and you're, you're changing the world and you're making a real difference for families and you're bringing awareness to families who might not be experiencing that, but it's the awareness of how we can collectively support one another as well. Um, So thank you for that. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. This was fun. Work Like a Mother is produced by Neighbor Schools. Neighbor Schools is a startup in Boston that I co-founded in 2018 to help parents find daycare. As a first-time parent, finding childcare can feel scary and intimidating. At Neighbor Schools, we help you find daycare you'll feel really good about so you can go back to work with the peace of mind that your little one is getting the socialization, support, and stimulation they need to learn and grow. We've helped thousands of moms and dads figure out the daycare search. Check us out at neighborschools.com. And when you get in touch, mention that you discovered us on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.